So we have been in a series in James, if you're just visiting with us, and we are resuming that series. And what a great passage. What a great passage to start the year with. This is James chapter 1, verses 22 through 25. And we, it's such a motivational passage, I think, for us to begin. And I want to encourage you in some very specific ways this morning, and we'll get to that. But first, let's look at this text together. James chapter 1, and I'll read verses 22 through 25 to you. But be doers of the word and not hearers, only deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks in, into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. Let's pray together. Lord, we ask that you would help us to be participants in this kingdom work that you've called us to. And we pray that you would lead us and guide us by your spirit in that process, we ask in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. Well, as you probably can figure, the Monday morning quarterback is actually a 24-7 job, and many people in Bernie have applied for this Monday morning quarterback job. Now, I'm not just talking about sports, and you know what the Monday morning quarterback is. Basically, criticizing, analyzing, and scrutinizing everything that went on in the game and this is the whole basis, the foundational basis of sports talk radio, being able to do this. And, you know, whether we like it or not, we as a culture have really moved from participants in this sort of volunteerism. We, too, have gone in this direction from volunteer to more victim, criticizing, analyzing, scrutinizing, which, by the way, are not spiritual gifts. If you think you have those spiritual gifts, I'm here to correct you on that. And the other day, Tracy and I were talking, my wife Tracy and I were talking about something, and I was waxing eloquent, as I usually do. She looked over at me and said, we're, we're going to talk about this longer than it would take you to solve the problem. And I receive that. We love to judge. We love to criticize. We love to analyze. We love to scrutinize. And that's no fun. That's not really where the fun is. It's not where the joy is. And this year, what I'm calling you to as a church, both in your individual life and for us corporately and spiritually, to participate to do exactly what James is inviting us to, to be doers of the Word. No more spiritual Monday morning quarterbacking, because see, what happens is all this criticizing, analyzing, scrutinizing, we can talk, 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 and deceive ourselves thinking we've actually contributed to the kingdom, or we've actually done something 
significant. And here James commands us to be doers of the word, and that's strange because we have been shaped and formed by our culture. Our culture has influenced us. Something happens somewhere, and what do you, what do you see on the news? They go get the expert who now doesn't even have to come to the newsroom. They're sitting in their office or whatever on Zoom, and they're telling us this talking head is criticizing, analyzing, and scrutinizing. And did you ever think, I don't want to hear from those people. I want to hear from the people who are actually there, not the people who are Monday morning quarterbacking it. So if that's where you're at... We have some good news for you to become a participant in the great work that God is doing. What a fulfilling, satisfying work that God has called us to do. And so, how do we get there? Well, first, let's look at this command, be doers of the word. This is in verse 22, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Notice here, it is a command and imperative. James is saying, don't mistake talky-talky-talky with the doing, with the actual going out and doing. James says in verse 19, and by the way, if you're new to James, we have our previous sermons online if you're new to this series, but verse 19, let everybody be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. We can sometimes mistake, maybe in the extreme, all this listening and non-activity as doing something. And so James comes here with the corrective to be doers of the word. Christianity is a faith of doing, not just analyzing, not just analytical abstraction, but actually living out what Jesus has said. It is a faith of participation. And here's the thing. We just celebrated Christmas. The incarnation is the ultimate demonstration that God has called us to more than criticizing, analyzing, and scrutinizing. He has called us to participate. He sent His very Son into the world, not from a distance, but to come close, to participate, to win our salvation. Notice here, it's be doers of the word. So we can't just be doers. The doers is modified by this phrase of the world, of the word, excuse me. So it is specific in terms of the word being that which God has commanded us and the full measure of what he has revealed to us in scripture should guide our doing. Christianity, a faith of doing. And that's where the reward is. I mean, think Jesus says in Matthew 10, 42, even a cup of cold water does not offered in faith. A cup of cold water does not go unrewarded. Participation, doing. You know, it was 1988 when a small Oregon athletic company came up with a new marketing scheme. And they went to San Francisco and they got 80-year-old Walt Stack. Now, Walt Stack was really well-known in the San Francisco running community. 
And at 80 years old, he had quite the routine. 80 years old, he would run 17 miles a day. 80 years old. And they, the first commercial for this new marketing plan, what they did was they got Walt Stack, they got him running across the Golden Gate Bridge, very iconic scene, and he's waving to everybody in traffic. He was a regular fixture there in the community. And they zoom in on his face as he's running, and they, the voiceover tells you, you know, Walt Stack runs 17 miles a day at 80 years old. And then Walt Stack speaks, and this lives on YouTube. You can look it up and watch it yourself. But he says, uh, people ask me what I do in cold weather with my teeth chattering. And then he says, I leave them in my locker. <laughs> I leave my teeth in my locker. And then the screen goes all black. And you know what it says? Just do it. Just do it. That was the first commercial for the slogan that the, really, we could say, marketing genius Dan Wyden came up with this idea for Nike to have this slogan, just do it. In other words, to face whatever the unknowns and to not worry about all the details, to maybe stop criticizing, analyzing, and scrutinizing, and just actually go out and run the 17 miles. And people love it. People loved it. And did you know this phrase, just do it, Dan Wyden, the one who came up with it, got the idea when he was reading an article about somebody on death row. And they go to execute this criminal, and the criminal says, you know, let's just do it. And the... Uh, he. He said this, quote, I remember when I read that, I was like, that's amazing. I mean, how in the face of that much uncertainty do you push through that? And so he came up with this statement. And here's the thing. We as Christians don't face that kind of uncertainty. When we say just do it, we're not doing that from a position of uncertainty. We have the assurance of where we're headed after this brief life of where we're going, that God holds all things together. So we have this assurance, but what we can learn from this, from an athletic company, if we can learn anything, is we don't need to scrutinize, analyze, criticize. Let's just go out and do it. James is calling us across the ages as a church community to get back out there and to do. And certainly we can fine-tune our doing, but I like imperfect doing over perfect non-doing. And it is the participants, the ones who are off the sidelines, who have the most fun and enjoy what God has called us to do. And so we need encouragement in an information age where we have so much coming at us to say, yes, that information is great, but while people are criticizing, analyzing, and scrutinizing, let's go out as a church, let's go out and change the world. 
Let's let them have their discussion. Let's have them talk. But let's go out and in Jesus' name, make a difference. That's what we're called to, doers of the word. Sometimes it's not going to be perfect. Certainly not if you're doing something with me. But our imperfect doing will be used by a perfect God to achieve his perfect purpose. Doers of the word, let's do it. So as you're thinking about uh, this, being a doer of the word, look down at point number two there in your outline, and you're going to notice something here. There's an asterisk next to it. And the reason there's an asterisk next to it is because really this doers of the word doesn't happen unless there's a gospel motivation, a gospel-driven, Christ-centered motivation behind it. You know, it is just to say we're doers of the word is to be moralistic. It can be legalistic. The problem with just do it as a slogan, let me unpack this for you. Well, what if I don't want to do it? It breaks down, doesn't it? Just do it is great until you're like, eh, I don't want to do it. And so we need to look to do, and this is where we get this gospel-centered motivation that powerfully moves us to do that which God requires of us. Look in verse 23, for if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who intently, who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. In other words, all of us probably, y'all look good today, looked in the mirror. You looked in the mirror today. And you, what did you get? You got an impression. You, you saw an image. And what James is doing here, and he beautifully uses these analogies throughout uh, his, his letter. You got this temporary impression, and the idea here is don't be like those who hear the word, and you get this temporary impression, and then you go out and you forget everything. And the world more or less forces you back into its mold. Verse 24, for he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he's like. To have the image, I mean, think about it for a moment. Here we are, here we are, first Sunday of the year. You're hearing the word, what you going to do about it? Don't let it just sort of wash over you and it's a nice feeling and my responsibility as a pastor is to generate some kind of feeling in you on a Sunday morning, please. And then you walk out of here, hit the parking lot, and forget. And forget. And so we want to look intently. You see that? In verse 23, we want to look intently. And where are we looking? Because this makes all the difference for motivating us to the doing. Verse 25, the one who looks into the perfect law. That's where we are Looking Now, notice here the near context. So, still in James, look back at verse 4 because you have this word perfect used again um, for the first time here in James. Let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. And when we went through that verse, we talked about 
we're lacking something, God's going to provide it. The only way He can provide it is through a trial. But the perfect and complete, perfect here means mature, and it means we have whatever we're lacking. And so in the perfect law, so same word used back here in verse 25, this perfect law is a complete law. It's the place we look for guidance, and we don't have to look other places. The perfect law, but notice James joins it with a further description. Verse 25, it's the law of liberty. So lest you think this is some kind of legalistic do's and don'ts, James appends this description to the perfect law. It is the law of liberty. Now, I'm going to get to that in a second. Now, this idea of law, think the Old Testament carries a lot of Old Testament freight. Law means what God has commanded, but it also means the way. That God has for us a Torah, a way. And the way that we're supposed to live and interact with those around us is declared in God's law. It is a law of liberty because when you follow that law, you are following most authentically who you are. That sounds kind of postmodern and culturally relevant, doesn't it? Be your authentic self. Have you ever heard somebody say, you be you? The problem with you being you is if the you that you think you're going to be doesn't line up with Genesis 1 through 3, that's a problem. Because what has happened is sin has come in and perverted the you, changed the you. And you be you cannot be you be you if it's against God's law and what he has said. And so the Christian is the freest of anyone because the law of liberty, God's law, constrains us to behave in ways that are consistent with the very nature of who we most fully are. It's a biblical anthropology that follows the biblical commands that God has for us. And notice here, verse 25, it's a law of liberty... So there's real freedom because authentically you are living out who God designed you to be prior to the fall. In verse 25, notice here, and perseveres, and perseveres. This is not a temporary thing, and perseveres. That's attached to it. If we want to pursue this satisfaction and happiness and joy in Jesus, you must remain and continue to pursue what God has for us in his law of liberty. Now, I have never, in 18 years of preaching here, called out the Pope, okay? But I'm, gonna, I'm going to. Because the Pope said in December that now the church can bless non-liturgical uh, church blessings for same-sex couples. That is not persevering. That is not persevering. And it is a serious change to Catholic doctrine. And I bring that up to say this is not persevering. 
we are a church that split off from a larger liberal church that did not persevere. And so persevering is not suddenly changing doctrine. And I want to be very kind and accommodating to any who are Catholic that would explore what life is like as a Presbyterian in our church, and they are welcome to come and explore that. But my encouragement to you is this is a serious change to biblical doctrine that is not consistent with what God has said. And so have conversations with your Catholic friends about this. Uh, Catholicism, largest church in Kendall County, is Catholic. There's a big Catholic influence. Obviously, it's called San Antonio. Um, and so my encouragement to you is this is the beginning of the end in terms of persevering uh, with biblical doctrine. Uh, some would say, well, it goes all the way back to errors and justification, and that is true theologically, but this is the current error that I'm bringing attention to, and to me it is uh, uh, significant. So invite your Catholic friends to explore that this is a change that is not consistent with the law of liberty, the law, the perfect law here in verse 25, and it's not consistent with persevering. See, we in the, in the Protestant church, we've already watched this train wreck happen, and, and we know how it ends. And so we need to encourage our Catholic friends to look to the Scripture and to be guided by God. But notice here, verse 25, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts. That's what we're encouraged towards here, a doer who acts. Now, as you think about your own life, notice here it is doer of the word. Verse 21 has for us the implanted word. And what we're getting at is this word is implanted in you in order to germinate, in order to grow, and to yield a certain character and behaviors. And those are outlined for us in the book of Galatians, the fruit of the Spirit, uh, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. That's Galatians chapter 5 verses 22 through 23. This is where the Word should lead us to inculcate more and more that kind of character that represents Christ well. So we must look intently, look intently at what God has said and see how that motivates us to be doers. We have this old truck. It's a 01 Chevy Silverado that we have. And there's a lot wrong with it. It's kind of like all of us. There's just a lot going on. And, and so one of the things that we bought it this way, believe it or not, and we're not going to fix it um, because it's expensive. The emergency brake light is always illuminated on the vehicle. So the emergency brake is not on, but when you get in it and you turn it on, it says it is, and we drive like that. We drive like that. And the thing is, you might be thinking to yourself, oh, this sounds so good. 
But when you get in the truck of your life, so to speak, there's something that's telling you not to do it, not to go forward. And so what do we do to sort of combat that? Well, if you, if you borrow the truck or you are at a church work day and it's making an appearance and you jump in and you're going to take it around to the dumpster or whatever, I will tell someone, oh, by the way, you know, the emergency brake, it says it's on, but don't worry about it, it's not on. And I tell you that because Christ has given us everything we need to move forward. He has given us everything in the word revealed to us to move forward in service and to be doers. So what's stopping you? Maybe the light that's illuminated that tells you not to move forward is a malfunction. And sometimes you move forward. I know this is genius, isn't it? You move forward by moving forward. You do by doing. And so that's my encouragement to you. This year, let's participate. Let's, let's do by doing and move forward and be equipped and empowered and blessed through Christ in that. And I saved the best for last. It's the last phrase in verse 25. He will be blessed in his doing. He will be blessed in his doing. You know, whatever service uh, you have in your life, don't you feel good after you've done it? Don't you feel good in your volunteer life and what you've done, or maybe you've served in the church? You feel good serving. It's part of the blessing, and we're assured of this blessing here. There is something fantastic about participating in God's kingdom work. Uh, there's just a purpose and fulfillment and satisfaction uh, in it that is so much better than criticizing, analyzing, and scrutinizing. You know, have you ever noticed in our moments of criticalness and judgment and analyzing and scrutinizing, have you ever noticed we're not really happy in those moments? I know, it doesn't stop us from doing it. But maybe our happiest moments are really when we're blessed in the doing and in the service. And so Church Trinity is largely a volunteer organization, isn't it? And many of you serve or have served in some delightful ways in this church, and I'm just so thankful for that, and it is my privilege to serve alongside you. You know, I don't, if, if you're not participating, I encourage you this year to look and to think through, what's my capacity? You know, what's my capacity? Uh, not everybody here can, you know, show up on a church workday and cut down trees or haul branches. That's okay. What's your capacity? What are your gifts? What do you enjoy that would pull you away from that criticizing, analyzing, and scrutinizing and into service, into the way of Jesus? The way of Jesus is a doing way, the incarnation. And then what did Jesus say about his own ministry? Mark 10, 45, Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. 
You know, this is the antidote. I know in Bernie, it's a professional sport complaining about our community, complaining about traffic, et cetera, et cetera. Do something about it. You know, take a civic position, participate uh, somehow in what God has for you here. Make the community a better place. You know, Thomas Jefferson said, the world's best hope was America. Uh, Lincoln repeated this, saying that America is the last best hope of earth. Uh, in more modern times, Ronald Reagan loved this phrase, uh, that America was the last great hope. You know, I don't know about that politically, but I'll tell you this. The last great hope of America or any other nation is the Christian in service. The Christian making his or her world a better place through serving, through volunteering, through finding a place to give back. According to your capacity and ability, we recognize that and understand that. That's what I encourage you to. It might, you might think, oh, this is just a little thing that I'm doing. It's great to be a doer of the word, to get out there and to participate. You can get tremendous satisfaction uh, and, and put yourself around people that you might not otherwise be around in service. And you can get to know different people both in the church, outside the church, in the community, through serving. So it's a radical message that James has for us. Maybe we have become a culture of victims and complainers. We think scrutinizing, criticizing, and analyzing is actually doing something, but James calls us to something more, and I want you to hear his words today as you think about the year ahead of you. What will you do? How will you participate and be blessed in that participation. Let's pray together. Lord, how we thank you that you've given each of us areas to serve in, and we pray you'd guide us now by your Spirit to find those places. If we have given too much time or energy to criticizing, analyzing, and scrutinizing, we pray move us off of that and into service. Move us into participation that we would be blessed in that doing, and that we would persevere and be faithful in what you have called us to. And we're thankful for passages of Scripture like this that we can begin the year with as we think about how you shape and form all our activity. And so we pray your blessing to rest on us, and that we, as your people, would receive the challenge of this text, we pray in Christ's name. Amen.